Welcome, Lethal. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, Strong Powerful Jorge Contreras. Jorge, are you ready to do this? I am ready to do this. Thanks for having me on the show here, George. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, excited to have you on. Jorge is an Airbnb coach who's developed the REAL, the real system for helping people generate passive income through Airbnbs without actually owning the properties. Jorge, I'm excited to have you on. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work and why you yeah. do what you do. Awesome, man. So yeah, 35 years young, based out of Orange County, California, happily married. I have uh, two daughters. I've been investing in real estate uh, since 2011, got into Airbnbs in 2017, currently have a portfolio of 18 properties. We have eight that we own, seven that we sublease, three that we manage. And I also have a couple of developments, a four unit and a 25 unit uh, ground up developments that we're working on as well. Nice. So this this idea of or practice of making money through Airbnb without actually owning the property is this a new concept? Like, t- tell me a little bit about where this came from. That's a good question. Um, you know, this this concept of arbitrage has been around forever. It's exactly how the banks have been operating, how they make their money. Right? Let's say John walks into the bank, deposits ten thousand dollars. They pay him zero point one percent on his money. I walk in to borrow those $10,000 to go launch an Airbnb. They charge me 10% on John's money and the bank just made 9.9, right? Basically they're creating money out of thin air. We do a very similar model where we rent properties from an owner. We pay them the fair market rent. We arbitrage it. We maximize the revenue through short-term rentals with high nightly rates. And the difference is our profit. And in real estate, you could either own the real estate or you can control it through a contract. So here we are controlling. And, you know, I always tell people that they should make it their goal to own as much real estate as possible because that is where you create long-term wealth. That said, most people are not in a position to go buy multiple properties in order to replace her nine to five. And that's where this arbitrage model is a great way to get some experience and to get their feet wet. Yeah, that that, that, that makes a ton of sense. I love it. So when when you started out, you said early 2017, you, you, you went down this path. Tell us how how you sort of got started and sure. what your thinking was and and how it's how it's kind of evolved. Absolutely. So when I launched my first four Airbnbs in March of 2017, I started with units that I already owned. These leases were ending at the end of uh, at the beginning of the year. Did a little bit of upgrades, furnished, you know, got some pictures, and then I launched these four units again that I already owned. It was a low hanging fruit opportunity. I had a student in 2016. Uh, from my previous uh, dance business who told me how she was making three and a half times more on Airbnb than what she was making with her long-term rentals. And she was doing this with two duplexes in Fresno, California. And I was mind blown. I was like, what? This is crazy. I got to try this myself. So once those leases were ending, that's exactly what I did. And so I was able to essentially uh, I, my previous business that I had since I was 20 years young, I always referred to that business as my job because if I wasn't there, it wouldn't make money. <laughs> and so I was able to replace that business's income. And essentially, I was now like out of the rat race. I no longer needed to do that business. I was covering all my monthly living expenses. Now, the next goal was to replace my wife's nine to five. And we calculated that we were going we to need about, you know, 
three Airbnbs to replace her six-figure income. And we didn't have the money to go and buy three properties, but we did have the money to go and implement this arbitrage model that I had heard about. And that's exactly what we did. We went, uh, a business partner and I launched seven subleases in 2019. And then uh, that's how I replaced my wife's nine to five and the rest is history. Nice. I love it. All right. So I think that that I certainly like conceptually understand the idea here is that if I do not currently have the cash to buy my own property, but that's something I'm interested in working towards because of what you've been talking about. So I am interested in finding this arbitrage. So how do I identify current owners of Airbnbs who might be amenable to this deal and and, and yeah. what's in it for them? Yeah, great question. So what's in it for them is if you look at our population, right, George, 95% of the US uh, population are employees and only 5% are business owners, self-employed or entrepreneurs. And about two to 3% are self-employed, meaning it's like a one or two, you know, man or woman person team. And they still have an employee mindset because they're wearing all the hats. They don't have any leverage, any scalability. So it's only about like 2%, maybe 3% of the US actually thinks like a real business owner where they think the they think teams and systems and leverage, and they know how to hire and delegate and automate and SOPs. So when you look at the average landlord, their tip, most of them are not part of that two to 3%, right? They're part of that 97% that thinks like an employee, and they don't know how to run businesses that require an operation. And this is why, George, when you go to your favorite restaurant or a barbershop or, you know, or somebody goes to a nail salon, typically the people that own the business don't own the real estate. The people who own the real estate just want mailbox money. They don't think to themselves, well, wow, there's a lot of money to be made in this restaurant. Why don't I just do the restaurant myself? It's the same thing with Airbnb, right? This is a operation intensive business and they don't have the experience or the will to actually go out and do it themselves. So what's in it for them is that if their property doesn't get rented, they don't make money. And at the end of the day, they're just looking for a great tenant. So if you have strong financials and great credit, you present yourself in a professional manner, then they'll work with you. That makes a ton of sense. That's a a, a perfect analogy. I, I appreciate that. That's a nail salon, but they don't necessarily own the building. They're just they're sending the owner of the building the money, and the owner of the building doesn't need to worry about it. So exactly. okay, I like it. And then the opportunity is, I say, okay, um, we'll just use John as as the owner of the Airbnb. He's spread super thin. He's got a family, and he's got this. He 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 just wants money coming in consistently. He doesn't have the headspace or whatever to be actually managing the thing. So you say, I will take this over. I will try and yeah. get. How, how does that work? Yeah, essentially, um, what we do is we'll we'll say, hey, and, and we do clarify because when we introduce the opportunity that we're going to be doing short term rentals in their property, they might think that what they're going to receive might fluctuate. So I'll clarify and say, John, just to clarify, here's how it works: I will rent your property on a twelve month lease. I will pay you those $3,000 a month that you're asking for fair market rent. We'll set up an auto pay. You'll get the money, not just on time, but days early. With your permission on writing, I will then use the property to run my short-term rental business uh, where I will work with you know working professionals, families coming on vacation. I will handle everything, all the operations. This is going to be a hands-off experience for you. You get your money. Um, obviously, I'll make my money from running my business. 
any types of repairs that are caused by my guests, I will be responsible for. We'll put that in writing. For me, it's just going to be a pass-through cost. I will charge the guests just like a hotel would. And I'll make sure that they care about three things. They want to get paid on time. They want to make sure the property is taken care of. They want to make sure that the neighbors are happy. You do those three things, they will renew the lease uh, year after year and even start offering you other properties that they may have in their portfolio. There is two other things that are very important as well. And it's in this order. Anytime you're looking to launch a short-term rental, the very first thing you should do is call the local building department and verify if you can get a permit. You should only operate in cities where you can get a permit. Once you can know you once you know you can get a permit, you need to figure out if the property can actually make money. And in real estate, when you're buying property, they look at something called the comps, right? The comparable sales of similar properties. Well, when it comes to Airbnb, the comp software that we use is AirDNA. They have a section called the rentalizer. You put an address and it'll give you the projected revenue based on similar properties, based on bedrooms, bathrooms, square footage, amenities, and location. So if you see that the property is projected to make, you know, say $60,000 a year, and your rent is gonna be 2,000 a month, then that's how you know it's a good deal. So you verify with the permit, make sure you can generate double or more, whatever you're gonna be paying in rent, you get permission in writing from the owner and you're off to the races. I love it, cool. So how do I identify uh, would-be partners, the, the folks that, that actually own the units? How do you identify partners? Like, how do you identify the properties? And okay, so we use Zillow. We just go on Zillow. And let's say I want to launch in, um, you know, Scottsdale, Arizona, call the city. Yes, I can get a permit. I go on their DNA. I see that properties are making money. So then I go on Zillow and I find, um, you know, properties that are available for rent. Typically, the phone number is going to be there of the owner, agent, or property manager. And I just give them a phone call pitch my short-term rental strategy. And that's how we identify these opportunities. Got it. That makes a ton of sense. And I'm sure that you get all kinds of different answers. Some people are like, sure. Oh, yeah. Some people tell you to get lost. Uh, and, exactly. And, and everywhere in between. Yeah. It's everything in between. I've had people say like, don't call me. This is a waste of my time. I've had people say, Hey, this sounds good. Let me talk to my spouse or Hey, like you're going to, you get, you're going to get everything in between, right? Just like when you're buying properties to do flips or wholesale, typically these guys out of a hundred properties that they look at, then they submit like 30 crazy offers. And then they end up closing on like one out of those 100, right? For us, we get about a 30, 30% of the time they say yes, 70% of the time they say no. Got it. That's, that is a, uh, that's, that's still pretty good. So all right. Um, so obviously we want to not get as many as possible because we want to make sure that our financials are in order. So walk me through that process. If I say, yeah, Jorge, this sounds great. What do I need to get started from, from, from an upfront financial perspective? Great question. So there's three main things you need the first month's rent, the deposit, which is typically equal to the first month's rent. So in this case, say it's 2000 for the first month. 2000 for the deposit, and then you're going to need to pay for the furniture. Uh, and that furniture includes also like small appliances, decor, and then photography. So if you're doing a studio or like a one bedroom apartment, you're looking at about 10,000. If you're doing like a three or four bedroom house, you know, now you might be looking at like a 15 to, you know, 25K range. Got it. Well, that certainly does make sense. Okay. So 
I, I, I do all those things. I, I, I get the deal. And for the most part, I'm able to pay on a monthly basis, save the, the first month and the deposit, but then moving forward with, 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 with the deals that I'm making, I can just pay on a monthly basis to the actual owner of the property. Exactly. Ideally, you'll take, you know, if you're generating 5,000 in gross revenue and your rent's 2,000, you're paying them from the gener- from the money that you are generating, right, through the deal. And um, the good thing is you get paid from Airbnb, like as soon as somebody checks in, like you receive that money and within one business day, it's in your bank account. And and then every first of the month, you, uh, you know, you have that auto pay with the landlord and the money just goes out. So all the money flows into your LLC for your Airbnb business. And then the, all the expenses flow out. How does Airbnb feel about this? I mean, they love it because the more air, like think about it, right? If you own Airbnb and you're Brian Chesky, if you have more Airbnbs paying you 3%, on the host side and 14% on the guest side, you're basically making 17% from all these bookings without actually having the hotels or the units yourself, right? So they're in, it's the largest hotel in the world, but they don't own any hotel. So they're just making 17% uh, fees on every, you know, booking on every transaction. So they're, they're, Airbnb is perfectly fine with it. Like they honestly don't really care what you launch. You could do a bedroom, you could do a garage conversion. People do tree houses. They do glamping setups. You see RVs on there. Um, you see um, just all kinds of unique uh, strategies. So anything where people are going to have a great time at a fraction of the cost, um, Airbnb is perfectly fine. In fact, when you're creating a listing on Airbnb, they don't even ask you if you own it. They really don't care. Hmm. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't realize that uh, Airbnb was making 17% on each one of these deals. Yeah. So they'll charge the guests 14%. And then as us as a host, they'll take 3%. So we get to keep 97%. I think that's a great deal because they do all the marketing, all the payment processing. They do a lot of customer service. You don't need a website. You don't need to do advertising. Like they bring you all the bookings. You just need to make sure you have a you know good property in the right location and be able to provide a great experience. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. I also appreciate you, you know, being super transparent and upfront about that you're going to need the money for the appliances and the furniture and all that. So it's not something to just casually get into. What are some of the other characteristics of people that are successful at this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, a couple of the things that are super important is, especially right now in the recession, you want to make sure that you are sticking to primary locations and stay away from secondary and tertiary locations. So out of the out of the eighteen properties that I have, 17, 17 of them are you know in positive cash flow, and I got one property that is losing five thousand dollars a month, and this is actually one of the ones that I own. It's in a city, uh, not sure if you're familiar with the Joshua Tree, California, but that's a perfect example of a tertiary market. And when we are in a recession, whether it's rents or just the, the value of homes, primary cities always hold their value, right? Because primary cities is typically where everybody wants to live. It's typically more expensive. You attract people with higher incomes, um, better credit scores. When you go into the secondary and tertiary, it's more affordable. But again, you also pay for what you get and cheaper is not better. So in short, all my other properties are in mostly primary and then secondary. So they're doing good. 
but those tertiary locations are really struggling right now. So you have to make sure that you stick to the solid locations. Like if you want to launch in Florida, stick to the Miamis in Orlando. If you want to launch in Texas, stick to Dallas, stick to Austin, right? If you're in California, stick to San Diego, stick to Los Angeles. Those primary markets are what's going are what are going to do well uh, during this time. The other thing that is very important, we are definitely playing a game of who has the boat the most and best amenities wins. So if you have a pool, a jacuzzi, and a game room, you're going to do way better than a property that doesn't have those things. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. What are you going to do with the Joshua Tree property, Jorge? <coughs> Excuse me. You know, that's a good question. Um, I'm actually, um, right now we have it on Zillow. We're looking for a tenant that might want to live there for the next, you know, six or 12 months. So at least the mortgage and the expenses get paid for. Good thing is we did buy the property for like a couple hundred thousand under market value. So that's the game plan is to just break even, just write it out. And, you know, the average recession is 18 months. So hopefully in the next 12 months, we're out of this recession. And typically those areas actually do really well. Like if if this was uh, uh, like a year and a half ago, that property would easily make 12,000 a month, like 150K in a year. Because um, it is a very popular area for for tourism, for travelers, just not during a recession. <laughs> so that's the game plan is uh, hold on tight, have it pay for itself. And, um, and then we'll see what we do in the near future. I like it. At the beginning, you mentioned you used to be in the dance business. What is that? I used to be a professional bachata dance instructor. Bachata is a sensual partner dance from the Dominican Republic. That's the first business I started when I was 20. So I had a choreography company. I used to run a nightclub and I used to own two of the largest bachata dance festivals on the West Coast. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Pretty cool. <clears throat> Beautiful. Well, Jorge, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you and, and how can they how can they take advantage of, of your training and your system? Yeah, I'm hosting a weekly free training. So you guys can take a, check out the link in my bio on Instagram. Just go to at the Jorge Contreras. That's T-H-E. And then my name, Jorge Contreras. Uh, there is a lot of fake accounts out there. So make sure it's the one with like 143,000 followers because, yeah. And you could always, uh, you know, ask for a video and I can send you a video or a voice message, make sure. But yeah, I'm, hopefully we can link the account and that way they get the right Instagram. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Well, if you enjoyed as much as I did, show Jorge your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Follow Jorge or find him on Instagram uh, at the Jorge Contreras. That was a little better that time. Jorge. Still wasn't very good. But that was pretty good. It's... <laughs> So I will certainly link that in the notes of the show. And, uh, you know, I certainly enjoyed your transparency and, uh, and, and, and your, the way you explained this, it's the first time I'd heard about it. And, uh, now, now it makes a ton of sense. So I appreciate that. Thanks again, Jorge. Thanks for the opportunity. Have a great day. And until next time, remember, do your part by doing your best.